This is Ground Attack with Eric Burton. Powerful insight into revival, the church, and the deep mysteries of God. If you're through with status quo Christianity, you've come to the right place. Warning, this podcast will challenge religious demons. Find us on the web at gbreaker.org. Now, here's your host, the president of Groundbreaker International, Eric Burden. Welcome to the first episode of Ground Attack. I am your host, Eric Burton. It's good to be here with you. And for those of you that followed us over here from YouTube, welcome. Thank you so much for watching our YouTube channel. And thank you so much for having enough interest to want to pick us up on this brand new podcast, which is going to be very different than the format of our YouTube channel over on YouTube. Most of what we do is a lot of teaching about the Hebrew language and about the Bible, and we're, we are definitely going to do some of that on this podcast. However, it's going to be packaged in a little bit of a different type of format, a little more casual, a little more laid back type format, but at the same time, it's going to be very intense, and we're going to tackle some hot button issues that need to be addressed within the body of Christ. So I have a question. Is the seeker-sensitive movement beginning to pass on? Real question. I believe that what I'm seeing is that what we used to do even 10, 15, 20 years ago is no longer working within the body of Christ. I think that a lot of what started out with the right heart, with the right spirit, has been absolutely, completely rearranged, transformed, metamorphosized into something that was never meant to be. Years and years ago, I was in high school, and I remember as my dad, is he pastors a church in Indiana. It was a very young church at that time, and I remember him getting a box in the mail. And in the box, it was from Hillsong, and Hillsong had packaged all of their CDs, their modern worship CDs, DVDs, songbooks, posters, all of these things into a box, and they sent it out for free to many, many churches across America, maybe even all over the world. I don't know. And I remember we got this box, and it was so exciting because we were playing old songs and, and old hymns, and not, not hymns so much, but a lot of old choruses and things back in those days. This was back in like the early, early 2000s, like 2000, 1999, 2000, 2001, that era. And I remember it was such a breath of fresh air to pop, to pop in a Hillsong CD and to hear modern worship, something that was out of the box and different than what we were normally playing in our worship services. And it was a breath of fresh air. And I think that at that point in time, it was something that was much needed in America. There needed to be a modernization. However, as with Pretty much everything, uh, you know, that starts out godly and spirit-led, it starts turning whenever people get their hands on it. And 
you know, nowadays, it's the fog and the lights. It's the entertainment industry as opposed to the church being the church and allowing God to move in a mighty powerful way in demonstration. And so now we've taken the demonstration of God. We've moved the Holy Spirit to the back. If that even used to, we would say that we would move the Holy Spirit to a back room somewhere and allow people to prophesy and to pray in tongues and to, uh, you know, and manifest, let the Holy Spirit manifest on them. Now I'm not even sure that we're allowing them as a whole to do that. I think a lot of people would be kicked out of most churches, even most Pentecostal churches, for prophesying, for doing a lot of the things that the Bible teaches. This is all Bible stuff. However, I'm beginning to see a crack in the enemy's armor that for many years he's tried to take the church and and emasculate them and make them into something uh, weak and anemic. And I believe, though, that we're seeing some people of God that are rising up, that are taking their place as warriors for Christ, and they're finally allowing the Holy Spirit to move in their lives once again, and even in the corporate body of the church. So I ask the question, is the seeker-sensitive movement beginning to pass? I think very well that it could be. There's a trend that I'm seeing right now, and it's in younger people. It's very interesting. The Lord, I had a conversation with the Lord just the other day about this. They're infatuated. Younger people tend to be infatuated with older generations now, with their customs, with their dress, with their culture, styles, things of that nature. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't see that anywhere, look at some of the modern worship videos. And where is the setting located? Setting, many times, is in an old church with stained glass windows, with pews, and they're singing modern-day type worship songs, but they're singing them in an old setting. Sometimes it's a real rough setting like a warehouse or a, a barn or something like that. I'm just looking at this trend, and I'm looking at some of the styles that young people uh, even wear with a lot of the flapper. Uh, is it the flapper era, era stuff? I don't know. It's like the hipster movement. Uh, you know, with the suspenders and all of this stuff is coming back and the uh, the dresses, the, the old uh, Little House on the Prairie type dresses and all this stuff. I look at all these trends and it's as if uh, young people are starting to take an interest in the older generation. But they're taking an interest in the customs and the culture. But this is this is what's interesting. They're even taking an interest in some of the older songs of the old generation, and they're renewing them, all right? So here you have a lot of times, uh, you know, these young people that are in a church, an old-looking church with the wood pews and everything, and they're singing either new songs or they're singing old hymns that they have revised and renewed into a modern type of style. Why am I telling you this? Well, this is this is what the Lord spoke to me. Young people, they're searching for solace in what worked in the past. 
they want to escape the modern day drag and they want to get into the peace of the past revivals and churches, the past worship movement. Why? Because many of these young people, they, they hear grandma and grandpa talk or great grandma and great grandma, grandpa. They hear them talk about the revivals of the past. They watch videos of A.A. Allen. They watch videos of Billy Graham. They watch videos of the people of God in the past that carried an anointing, and they want it. And so I believe that a lot of what is trying to happen here, a lot of maybe even subconsciously, What they're truly looking for is the real anointing that the church operated in before the seeker-sensitive movement. Let me tell you something. This generation is primed for revival, but we have to introduce them to the right thing. Even though they may be looking at the outward constructs of what they think is revival, those type of things are not going to bring true revival. Going back to old church buildings and even old songs and old stories and even telling uh, stories uh, about the past is not going to get the job done. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking about past revivals. I love talking about the moves of God of the past. However, I'm much more in tune and focused on seeing what God wants to do right now. I believe it's a pivotal time right now for the young and the old to focus on what God is doing right now in the moment, every second of the day. God's mercies are new every day, every moment of the day. There is a renewing that can happen in our spirits if we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. So we have to... Let me say this word. We talk about being the church, and it's almost become another Christianese buzzword. Be the church. We got to be the church. Well, that means a lot of things, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What does it look like to be the church? Well, if you ask uh, one denomination, you know, maybe uh, evangelicals what being the church looks like, they're probably going to tell you, well, it means reaching out and helping your neighbor. Yeah, that's part of it, but that's part of it. You, 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 can't just, you can't just put the whole thing in one bag here and call it all of it. It, it, it. It's piece by piece. That's part of it, being the church, is loving people, obviously. But another part of being the church is outreach. And so a lot of people will tell you, well, you've got to preach the gospel to them. You've got to tell people about Jesus. Again, that's part of it. It's not the entire thing. And then some people would even go so far as to say, well, the manifestations of the Spirit outside of the four walls of the church is being the church. Again, that's part of it. But you see, it's all and, it's not either or. Being the church is so much more than just telling someone about Jesus, or just giving somebody uh, a cookie on the street and telling them that Jesus loves them. And it's so much more even than praying for someone's healing on the street. All good things, absolutely. We should be doing all of those things, but that's what I'm saying. It's all and. Being the church 
is doing what God tells us to do in the moment. If we can understand that, and we can grab hold of that, it really becomes simplified. Revival, true revival, God moving in our midst happens whenever we do what God tells us to do all the time. Not part of the time, all the time. I was once upon a time earlier in my ministry connected to a group that reached college students. And I remember the way that they tried to reach them was through, well, they tried everything, different ways. They tried playing games with them. They tried building a relationship with them. Now, understand, you've got maximum four years with a college student. Little Jimmy so-and-so comes to Indiana University. Well, let's just go outside. I only say that because I live in Indiana, okay? And and Indiana University was not where I was at. Little little Jimmy so-and-so goes to the University of Alabama. And little Jimmy so-and-so is lost as a ball in tall weeds. But there's a group there. And they're going to build a relationship with little Jimmy so-and-so. Well, they build a relationship. They play games with him. They do uh, all of that fun stuff. And every once in a while, they'll talk about Jesus. But little Jimmy so-and-so doesn't really want to hear about that. So they'll play games with him for four years until they're gone. Guess where little Jimmy so-and-so is going? Little Jimmy so-and-so is going straight to hell because no one in that moment was being the church. And let me tell you something. I was a part of this ministry for several years, all in different aspects and for different reasons. But when I first came into the ministry, I remember that they tried to reach these students by all sorts of different means. But I remember at that point in time, God really started to get a hold of my heart. And really, I started catching fire. I was at a church that was in an outpouring, a move of the Holy Spirit, and it had been going on at that point for about a year or so. And I mean, it was hot on fire. People were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, and and God was doing signs, wonders, and miracles. People uh, were clinically being brought back from the dead in that church. Even to this day, I can tell you there was documented proof that that happened. And I was at this church, and it leaked out into my dad's church. That's why I'm talking to you right now, because God got a hold of me through this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And being so, here I am in college ministry, and I'm watching all of this stuff that I used to try to do that doesn't work. I'm watching those same tactics that actually ends up becoming manipulation if you're not careful. I'm seeing those same tactics being used on young people, and I'm seeing very few falling for it because it's, it's completely powerless. And while I was there and God was getting a hold of me, I started ministering to some of those young people, but I didn't just minister to them by playing games with them, and I did some of that. You got to do that with kids. You got to love them. You got to spend time with them. I do understand that. However... It can't be just that. At some point, you have to turn the corner. 
And I remember one young man that I ended up leading to Christ, and he ended up getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember praying for these these young kids, and the power of God would fall on me. And it wasn't just me. Understand that it's not, oh, look, yeah, it fell on me, and I started doing this. No, no, no. It, it was something that God was doing. And God was just using me as a tool. And in the moment, I remember many times young people getting laid out on their backs under the power of God and crying and wailing, uh, uh, you know, and God healing their bodies. And you would not believe the backlash that I received for that many times. So many times that I remember praying for people and kids getting wrecked in the presence of God and I got rebuked for it or I got redirected. I got redirected, you know, okay, that, that time is over with, that time is over with now. So now it's time to move on, you know, to game time or to my teaching or to whatever the case is. But I remember one specific instance in which there was a night that I had a group of young people from all over the the state. There were several different ones from all over the state. And we were actually at a gathering for this this, uh, particular ministry. And the kids, somehow I ended up with a bunch of them in a gymnasium. We were playing basketball. Well, before you knew it, we started praying for one another. The power of God fell. Kids started getting healed. Kids started getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And we never left that gymnasium the entire night. Yes, I'm talking about college students. Did not want to get out of the presence of God because they touched the real live wire. They touched the real thing. And it wasn't Eric Burton. It wasn't, it wasn't some person. They touched the Holy One, and they didn't want to let go. If we don't have the presence of God in our lives, if we don't allow the presence of God to move in us, in our young people, then this is all for naught. It's nothing is going to bring revival except for us getting on our knees before God, allowing Him to change us first. And out of that... Young people and old people will be touched and changed. It won't just be a young person's revival. Let me tell you something. All the the real revivals of the past, it wasn't just, oh, the youth are doing this. The youth are really catching fire. Do you know how sick and tired I am about people trying to get the youth to catch fire? It's not just about the youth catching fire. It's about the you catching fire. It has to be about all of us getting in the presence of God. And and as adults, as the older generation, it has to be us first leading the way and exampling that. You say, well, they just don't follow. They don't follow. No, they don't follow your Bible studies. It's not that they aren't following the presence of God. They aren't following your old-time religion. they, They don't care about religion. They care about the real supernatural. And the problem is, is that young people especially are very, very receptive to the supernatural realm. And they will find the supernatural one way or the other, either the good or the bad. And the issue is is that many young people are steeped in witchcraft, in pornography. Oh, yes, 
Pornography is supernatural. It's evil. There's a spirit behind it. Pedophilia. All of these things, it's part of the supernatural. It translates into the natural realm, but there are spirits that are tied to it. And so young people will gravitate. They will find something supernatural. But the question is, which side of the supernatural are they going to touch? We have to be the generation. Now, look, I'm 38 years old and counting. Some people think I'm in my 20s. I say, well, that's just the glory of God. I spent a lot of time in the glory of God. And I'm kind of joking, kind of serious. You know, at the same time, I have spent a lot of time on my back in the presence of God, just letting God do what he wants. And, you know, uh, there's probably something to that. I look very young. But in my generation, which is starting to become, starting to become the old people, starting to, you get past 40 and, and you're getting there. Listen, don't get offended at me if you're, you know, 40 years old out there. I'm not saying you're old. I'm just saying, you know, we're kind of transitioning out of the young people's club. That's all. And our, our generation is very pivotal. Because they see that that gap between our generation and our grandparents or even our parents sometimes. And if there's a large gap there, they're just going to follow suit with that. And there's they're, they're going to have a gap between them and us. Your 16-year-olds, 15, 20s, 30s even your little kids. And they're going to begin to question everything that we do. So, and they already do. Trust me. I've got two kids of my own. They know everything. At least they think they do. So, we have to example to them the benefits of the presence of God. The benefits of not just going to church, but having a relationship with the Holy One and having a supernatural relationship that translates into our natural lives. That right there, my friends, is the key to reaching not just the young generation, not just the old generation, but every generation. The key is being an example by allowing the presence of God to touch us and to change us in such a way that it intrudes on our natural lives as well, right? And so our schedules can be rearranged for the presence of God. We're not afraid to let God rearrange our lives. Look, young people, they're attracted to that. And the seeker-sensitive movement did not give them what they were looking for. They've given them a pseudo-peace. They've given them a pseudo, uh, you know, satisfaction that only satisfied their soul, but it did not satisfy their spirits. So they're asking, is there anything real? Is God really, really real now? In the Zennial generation, statistics... I just read some of this a while ago. Zennials are leaving the church in groves. 
especially during the pandemic, they're leaving their faith behind. I wonder how much of that is attributed to the church living in fear. To our generations living in fear of the virus. Shut down the churches. Make sure you mask and and do all this stuff and social distance and everything because, and don't lay hands on people. Do you know how absolutely demonic that was? That, That literally, literally, governors were telling us, if you do meet publicly, which you aren't supposed to, whatever you do, don't sing. Keep your mouth closed. Don't speak out the praises of God. And not that most of these guys, most of these governors would know what laying on of hands is, but my goodness, if some of them saw what us Pentecostals were doing, they would have flipped their wigs. Because we're not here to placate fearful people. We're here to set a generation, generations plural, on fire for Jesus Christ. I'm no longer satisfied with just status quo Christianity and allowing just an entertainment show to happen on Sunday mornings for an hour. The only thing that is satisfying to me is seeing the supernatural presence of God in our lives. Is the seeker sensitive? The seeker sensitive. Let me try that again. Is the seeker sensitive movement beginning to pass? Yes, I believe so. I truly believe so. Now, how long will that take? I don't know. But here's one thing I know is that even the seeker sensitive churches are beginning to say this stuff's not working anymore, especially during the pandemic and afterward. They're beginning to say, okay, what happened before all the fog and lights and everything? People are not satisfied that what's next. Well, let me tell you what's next, my friend. Buckle up because it's the presence of God and it's a real true movement of God, a revival that is going to sweep the nation and sweep the world, my friend. That is what I'm believing. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14 says this. I'm sorry. Let me try this again. Ecclesiastes 1 verses 2 through 4. First, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In other words, all is meaningless. Verse three, what profit as a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. You know that word there, vanity, is the word hebel in the Hebrew. The he, the bet, and the lamed. And it means breath, wind, or vapor. In other words, a, fut- a futile sound. And the, the letter he there is actually the letter that means breath, wind, or spirit. And even when you say he, the letter he in Hebrew, <sighs> it's empty. It shows a vapor or emptiness. Folks, life is empty without a relationship with God. In the rest of Ecclesiastes, it tells us at the very end, uh, chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. It says, 
So let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Because remember, the teacher here, who many people think is Solomon, very well could be. We can debate that. But he sits for 11 and a half chapters talking about how life is absolutely completely meaningless. Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And finally, he puts it together, though, at the end of chapter 12. To reading all that, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God. Have a relationship with him. Keep his commandments. That's what everything means. That's what everything is about. Verse 14, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. If we don't have a relationship, a real relationship with God in which we speak to him on a daily basis and we dwell with him in his presence on a daily basis and we read and study and get revelation from his word all the time, we are meaninglessly living. It means nothing. Your life means absolutely nothing. All the pain, all the turmoil, all the things that you've ever been through means absolutely nothing. If you did not live it with a relationship with the Father. And the only way to come to the Father is through the Son. His name is Jesus Christ. So my friends, I want you to keep on the firing line. I want you to continue to press into God. Don't just chase after revival. Stop trying to chase a move of God and chase after God who is on the move. I got that from somebody. <laughs> Praise be to God. Listen, make sure you check out our website, gbreaker.org, for all things Groundbreaker International. And make sure uh, that you that you subscribe to this podcast today if you enjoy it, because there are more episodes to come. We're going to release a new episode every week, and it's going to be powerful. Uh, all shows are going to be different. We may even have some guests that come in, and we'll see how that goes. And, you know... We'll just see see how the whole thing develops. I'm really, really excited to be with you, though. This has been Ground Attack. My name is Eric Burton. Go do something for Jesus. God bless you.